Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast, the podcast for PAs that enjoy their jobs but are probably not wanting to continue to do this job into their 60s or 70s. I'm your host, Kat, and I hope you are having a wonderful day. In the last episode last week, which was episode 12, many topics were covered, including why it is important that you invest your money instead of only just save your money, an overview of index funds was reviewed, and the power of HSAs and why they are such amazing accounts was reviewed as well. So if you haven't taken a listen to last week's episode, please do that before we continue on with today's episode, because this is actually part two of that episode. So we had ended the episode last week reviewing how amazing HSAs were and how they should likely be one of the first few investment areas that you focus on if you are able to open an HSA account and invest in an HSA account, because they are the only triple tax advantaged accounts out there. So the next step in a suggested order of operations of where to focus your money when you are ready to invest would be to max out the rest of your 401k, 403b, 457b, or TSP whatever your main retirement account is through your employer. So many PAs will consider whether they should focus on investing in tax-deferred accounts within these retirement accounts, which would be traditional 401ks, 403bs, or 457bs. And as a reminder, tax-deferred means it allows your taxable income for the current year to be reduced by the amount that you invest into those accounts, which allows you to save in taxes for that current year. Or many PAs wonder if they should focus more on investing in tax-exempt accounts such as Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs, or Roth 457bs, which as a reminder, for tax-exempt accounts, you would pay taxes on them in the current year, but you would not be taxed again on the withdrawals in the future as long as you follow the guidelines for that and don't get penalties for early withdrawals. So many people in the general financial community suggest to try to contribute to Roth IRAs during your lower income years, since your tax burden would be lower during those years. Again, because you would be contributing to the Roth IRAs with post-tax dollars. However, many in the FI community or financial independence community who are considering retiring early actually recommend to max out these tax-deferred accounts, again, such as 401ks, 403bs, or 457bs, first because they help you save on your current tax year, 
while you are not getting taxed on the money that you are putting in, but additionally, you can also pay very low taxes on the amount you take out of these accounts in the future if you retire earlier than traditional retirement age and use something called the Roth Conversion Ladder. So I had never heard of the Roth Conversion Ladder until I became part of the FI community. So the Roth Conversion Ladder can seem somewhat complicated initially, but it's pretty straightforward once you've had a chance to review it. So in the future, once you retire early, so whether this is in your 40s or your 50s or even in your early 60s, your tax bracket will likely be lower than what it is currently at in your working years. This is because you may not be actually earning any income if you retire early, or if you are, it'll likely be less than what your PA income has been over the years. So the Roth conversion ladder has several steps. So the first step is once you retire, transfer all of your money from your employer's retirement account, such as your 401k, 403b, into a traditional IRA. Then the next step is you convert money from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA. You will have to pay taxes on this amount that you convert over, so you want to ensure that you are in a low tax bracket. Again, you likely are in a lower bracket if you are not working or have some income that is lower than your current PA income. And you want to ensure that you are only converting as much as you will need to live on. So don't convert extra money because then you'll have to pay extra taxes unnecessarily. Most will convert one year's worth of future expenses every single year. The third step is you then need to wait for five years before you can touch that money that has been converted over from the traditional IRA to the Roth IRA. Keep in mind that this is unlike a direct contribution to a Roth IRA. So as a reminder, with direct contributions to a Roth IRA, you can access any time without penalty. But because this is a conversion, converting from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, you cannot withdraw those contributions anytime. You have to wait those five years without touching your money. So the fourth step, after five years has passed, From the time that you converted the money from your traditional IRA to your Roth IRA, you then can access it tax and penalty free. Then the next year, you would withdraw the money that had been converted five years prior to that. And then each year you would repeat these steps. Again, this Roth conversion ladder is sort of like a bridge to help you access some of your retirement money before traditional retirement age. So as you can see, this is something you can do as an early retiree to access that money early. Now you may be asking, well, what the heck are you supposed to live on for those five years between the time you are done working and the time that the money that you've converted has been in the account for five years that you're able to withdraw it? Well, many will have other forms of way to access money prior to that time. Many people will likely have a few years worth of expenses set aside to be able to access during that time, and we will talk about how you could do that in the future. Keep in mind that we have talked about how 457Bs are really great accounts to be able to access money early as well. So ideally, you will come to a point in your life where your income 
and savings rate are each at such great levels that you're able to max out both tax-deferred and tax-exempt accounts. So if so, consider maxing out your 401k, 403b, 457b, or TSP, as well as a Roth IRA and an HSA if you have access to an HSA account. This allows for some tax diversification. So once you are no longer working, you have options of where to draw out your retirement money from to live on in an optimal way. So the next step in investing is to check to see if you qualify for a Roth IRA and if you do max it out for the year. Now, some people will again recommend that you do this before the last step, especially during your lower income years. But again, if you do retire early and you are pretty confident that your quote unquote salary that you're going to be paying yourself in early retirement is lower than your current physician assistant salary, then you probably will want to do this step after the last step that we talked about. So let's review some Roth IRA facts. The first fact is a Roth IRA is a tax-exempt account, and not everyone qualifies to contribute directly to a Roth IRA. So as a reminder, since a Roth IRA is tax-exempt, that means that you use your after-tax dollars to place into your IRA, so this does not help you on your current tax year. But the money in the account then grows tax-free. This means that you will not be taxed again once you withdraw qualified withdrawals from your IRA account. The contribution limits for individuals in 2021 is $6,000 if you are under 50 years old and $7,000 if you are over 50 to help with some catch-up. I have mentioned this on previous episodes, but you actually have until tax day, which is usually April 15th of the following calendar year to contribute to the previous year for the Roth IRA. So for example, normally for the year 2020, you would have until April 15th, 2021 to contribute to your Roth IRA. However, this year, the IRS did extend the deadline for this to May 17th. So if you are listening to this episode and you think that contributing to a Roth IRA is something that you could do or would like to do, consider opening an account and investing it prior to May 17th of 2021. But in the future for tax purposes, the deadline will probably be April 15th for future years. However, with Roth IRAs, you can only contribute directly to a Roth IRA if your modified adjusted gross income or MAGI is under a certain threshold, which is $125,000 for single filers with partial contribution phase-out up to $140,000, and $198,000 for married filing jointly filers with partial contribution phase-out up to $208,000 for the year 2021. So if you are listening to this episode in future years, definitely please double-check these limits. And if you are considering contributing for the year 2020, double check those limits as well, because often they increase year to year. Some of you may be disappointed to hear what these MAGI limits are if you or you plus your spouse earn too much to qualify. Well, here's a treat for you. You can still contribute to a Roth IRA through something called the backdoor Roth IRA, which will soon be discussed in a further step. But the next Roth IRA fact to discuss is that it is an individual account 
that you will need to open and ensure that the money gets invested. So IRA in Roth IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account, which means that you as the individual would need to open up this type of account. It is not something that would be offered through your work, through your employer. You would need to open a Roth IRA account through either a brokerage company, if you would like to manage your own account, or potentially a robo-advisor if you would like someone else to manage it for you. If you are considering a brokerage, many in the financial independence community like Vanguard for their low fees and customer service, and others like the user-friendly online platform of Fidelity, although there are so many options that are great as well. Once the money is in the Roth IRA account, you then need to make sure that you select the option to invest all or part of those funds. Because again, if the money is just sitting there, it's essentially a glorified bank account. But if you take the step to invest those funds, then that's how you would earn more wealth in the future. And you very likely would consider trying to invest those funds into low-cost, broad-based index funds, which we talked about in the last episode, episode number 12. The next fact about Roth IRAs is that the money that you put in a Roth IRA needs to have been earned income, not money from a gift or inheritance. So anyone who has earned income, including a teenager, up to someone working in their 70s or even older, can contribute to a Roth IRA. I completely wish I knew about Roth IRAs when I was a teenager, when I was roughing soccer, when I was babysitting, when I was roughing volleyball. It would have been pretty amazing to have started a Roth IRA and started investing within it back as a teenager and let compound interest do its thing over the years. The next Roth IRA fact I would like to review with you is that there are withdrawal rules. So there is a rule that states that you have to be 59 and a half years old to withdraw from a Roth IRA. Otherwise, you're penalized. However, there are exceptions to this, including another special treat that we will discuss soon. You must have had the funds in the IRA for five years before you withdraw those particular funds. So again, we briefly talked about this when we discussed Roth conversion ladders. Here are some exceptions to the first rule, which was that you have to be 59 and a half years old to withdraw from a Roth IRA before you get penalized. But the exceptions are, if you want to use the money to buy your first home, or if you want to pay for qualified educational expenses, or if you wanted to pay for a birth or an adoption of a child, or if you become disabled or die, then you or your heirs may be able to use it to help pay for some of those expenses that are not covered, and potentially even some medical expenses that are not covered. The next fact about Roth IRAs is that there are no RMDs for Roth IRAs. So RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution, which means that at a certain age, which is currently age 72, you must distribute or take money out of the account. This is for other retirement accounts. For the individual account owner of a Roth IRA, you never have to take RMDs from your Roth IRA over your lifetime. This is unlike 
traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, and others. Many like this fact because it allows them to be able to grow the money in their Roth IRA over time to leave us a pretty nice inheritance for their children. The next fact about Roth IRAs that I would like to remind you of is that they can be treated like a stealth emergency fund. And we have discussed this on previous episodes, but I would like to review this in case the listeners are just tuning in for this episode. So this is one of my favorite Roth IRA facts. If you do not mind, if some of your emergency fund is a little less liquid, consider investing it in a Roth IRA. So how can money in a retirement account that is a Roth IRA be used as an emergency fund? It can be used as part of your emergency fund because you can withdraw your Roth IRA contributions that you have made over the years tax and penalty free for any reason at any time. So if you think about it, you have already paid taxes on the money that you've contributed. So if you take the money back out of the account, then the government would not tax you on your contributions that you've contributed directly because that would just be too greedy of the government. So this would mean that the investments or the investment growth of the account would not be part of your emergency fund because, again, that was not the money that you directly contributed to the Roth IRA. Although this is such a great emergency fund tool, it is very important to note that you would only want to withdraw funds from your Roth IRA if it's truly a last resort in a true emergency. Because keep in mind, if you take your money out, you are losing out to the potential of company interest growth over the years of the investment. So you always want to consider the opportunity cost of all of your financial decisions. All right, so here is that special treat that I promised you for those people who have modified adjusted gross incomes that are just simply too high to contribute directly to Roth IRAs. So this next fact is reviewing that you can contribute to a Roth IRA by something called a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. So although contributing to something called a backdoor Roth IRA sounds completely shady, it is actually a completely legal current tax loophole that allows high income earners the benefit of having access to a Roth IRA. However, there are steps to follow, a tax form to complete, and tax implications to a backdoor Roth IRA. So let's first review the steps of contributing to a backdoor Roth. The first step is you want to open a traditional IRA. So again, Vanguard and Fidelity are both great options, but there are so many to choose from. The second step, you want to max out your traditional IRA. This process is simplest if you can contribute your max to your traditional IRA in a lump sum, which again for 2021 is $6,000 if you are under 50 and $7,000 if you are over 50. The third step, you want to open a Roth IRA at that same brokerage company just to keep things simple. You theoretically could use a different company, but it's just easiest to transfer between accounts within the same company. The fourth step, Once the funds in your traditional IRA become available, which is usually after a day or two, immediately convert the traditional IRA funds into your Roth IRA account. Step number five, make sure that you elect to invest the funds in your Roth IRA according to your investment plan. Again, likely broad-based index funds, but there are many other things you could invest in. 
that you likely would do well in. Step number six, avoid the pro rata rule by having $0 in any of the following accounts by the end of the tax year that you do the conversion. So this is a rule through the IRS, which means that you cannot have any money in any of these accounts by the end of that tax year. So a traditional IRA, SEP IRA, and simple IRA. You want $0 in any of those accounts by the end of that tax year in order to avoid the pro rata rule when you are doing backdoor Roth IRA contributions. Step number seven, complete the IRS form 8606 when you file your taxes. I have not had to do a backdoor Roth IRA yet, but it sounds like it's a fairly simple, maybe one page form that you complete. So again, it adds an extra step, but it sounds like it's not that difficult. All right, so let's review some tax implications of a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. The first, if you have any other money in a traditional IRA, SEP IRA, or simple IRA, you can get the money out of those accounts in a few different ways. So you can withdraw the money from the account, which is not recommended. You can convert the entire amount to a Roth IRA, which is only a good idea if a small amount that you can easily afford to pay taxes on. Or you can roll the money from the account into a 401k, 403b, or a solo 401k, which is probably the best option to do. The next tax implication is the reason why you want to convert the funds as soon as possible from the traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is because you would owe taxes on any of the growth if the investments earn money in that short amount of time. If you do wait too long, then you may owe a lot if the amount grows during that time. So that's why you want to do the conversion from the traditional IRA to the Roth IRA as soon as possible. And then the third tax implication is unlike direct contributions to a Roth IRA, you cannot take out the contributions from a backdoor Roth IRA until at least five years have passed if you are younger than 59 and a half years old. So this was a review of recommended order of operations to consider when you are ready to start investing your hard-earned money. Now, some of you may be saying, I'm a super high earner, or as a couple, my spouse and I are super high earners, or we are super savers, or both, that you feel like you just have all of this extra money hanging around, that you have maxed out your 401k, you have maxed out your Roth IRA, you have maxed out your HSA, you've maxed out a 457B if you have that in addition to a 401k or a 403B, and you still have extra money to save and invest for the future. Well, if you are in this position, congratulations, that's amazing. So what should you do next? This is the time where I say a very common phrase that you'll hear, Personal finance is personal, so you need to figure out what your plans are for the future, what your life goals are for your money, and figure out what the next step is. But here are some suggestions. So the first is you can invest extra money in taxable brokerage accounts. So what does that mean? Well, it means that if you have extra money laying around, you certainly can open an account and invest extra money. This is really great, again, if you have that option, but these accounts are taxable, meaning that the money that goes in them is taxable, 
and the gains or the investment growth is taxable in the future as well. So that is why it is very important that you work on your tax advantage retirement accounts first for investing versus opening up a taxable brokerage account. So if you recall, when we had talked about Roth conversion ladders for early retirees, we talked about how there is often five years between the day that you are done working and the first time you're able to access that money because it has to kind of sit around and get seasoned in the account for five years. Well, if you invest in taxable brokerage accounts, you can withdraw that money anytime tax and penalty free because it is your money. So if you save up your money and invest in that account, then that is often a great source of buffer between the time you are done working and the time you can start accessing some of your retirement money in your retirement accounts. Another thing to consider would be, do you want to possibly pay off your mortgage? This is a very personal decision because currently the interest rates for mortgages are very low. So again, this kind of goes back to episode number 11, where we talked about debt payoff. And you have to consider how much you mind having some debt there and making payments on it with low interest rates, whereas you can take some of your extra money and invest it and likely earn more with the investments over time. Or are you super debt adverse that you just want that mortgage completely done with and completely gone? that you want to use your extra money to go ahead and pay off that mortgage early. It is possible in the future that mortgage rates could go up, and certainly then that would need to be taken into consideration. Do you go ahead and pay off your mortgage early, or do you invest more? Although do consider that if you do retire early, it would be kind of nice not to have a monthly mortgage payment when you are already trying to live on a lower amount per year, which many early retirees do, but not all. Some of them try to live on a higher salary than what they make as PAs. It just kind of depends upon what you feel like your lifestyle will be and how much money you have saved and invested over the years. And then another step to consider if you have extra funds lying around would be, do you want to possibly invest for your children's future? I definitely want to dedicate another episode on this topic in the future where I specifically talk about how you can try to set your children up for financial success in the future, but it's something worth mentioning now. So keep in mind that I'm not a parent myself quite yet. My husband and I are hoping to have kids in the future, but we are not quite ready yet. So I say this from observation, but I think that a lot of parents are so selfless that they try to do absolutely anything to help set their kiddos up for success in the future without necessarily taking a look at their own financial picture. And again, that just shows the amazingness of parents. And probably PA parents are probably even more so like that because if you go into the medical profession, you are very likely a pretty selfless and giving person. But many in the FI community will use the analogy of an oxygen mask on an airplane. So first of all, what do the flight attendants tell you? They say that you need to put on your own oxygen mask before you take the oxygen mask for your kiddo and help them out. And again, I'm sure that's very difficult to do, both financially and if there were ever a plane accident. But how can you expect to help others if you are 
suffocating, so to speak, with this analogy, financially. If you are absolutely drowning in debt, especially high interest credit card debt, tons of student loans that you feel like will never get paid off, or a lot of consumer debt where you're buying brand new cars or toys, but you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper into debt, then you really need to focus on getting your finances in order before you try to help your kiddos in the future. Once you feel like you have a good foundation, and again, that you are working on saving up for retirement, whether it's at traditional age retirement or early retirement, then take a look at how you can use your funds to try to help your kids. Many parents will consider opening 529 plans to try to help their child's educational expenses in the future. There are other accounts and other ways that you can try to help your kids be set up for financial success though in the future, and that's, again, why I would like to dedicate a future episode to this topic. But I just really encourage you not to put all of your money in your children's college fund when you are barely even saving for your own retirement. All right, so that is the conclusion of part two in the series of where we discussed a suggested order of operations of things to consider when you are ready to invest and save some of your hard-earned money to help set you up for future success. I truly appreciate that you took the time out of your day to take a listen to this episode. Please consider sharing it with any current or future PAs that you know, or some PA classmates if you are in PA school, or consider sharing it with your spouse or significant other so you too can create a plan for your future. If you would like to join the Facebook community for current and future PAs on their journeys to financial independence, you can join the private Facebook group by going to facebook.com backslash groups backslash PA the FI way, or take a look in the show notes today that has the link. In the show notes, you can also see how you can follow Alana on Instagram or even Pinterest. All right, happy saving and happy investing to you, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.